Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Our new series for the next three weeks is about the church, and I've simply entitled it, We the Church. Everyone say, We the Church. And I just want to talk about the church for a moment because it brings context to what it is that we're trying to achieve as a church. And so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 2. If you don't, please feel free to look on the screen. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47 is a classic piece of text that if you've been a Christian for a number of years, uh, it's usually a well-worn piece of text. And so I trust that... uh, If it's new to you, you get something out of it. And if it's something that you've been over many times before, that we'll get something fresh from that today. But it starts off with the word they. Quick question, who are they? You need to know who the they are because if you don't understand who the they are, you're going to miss what is taking place here in the church. Let me just give you a heads up. The they that the Bible is talking about is not the apostles, it's not the disciples, it's not the elders, it's not the deacons. It is the whole church. It's the whole church. Luke, who is the author of the book of Acts, is addressing the whole church. This is what the whole church did. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to everyone as they had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those that were being saved. I love this thought. It says, they devoted themselves. The they is the church, not just the leaders. Luke, who is the author of the book of Acts, was addressing the culture of the early church. You see, the success of the early church was in the culture, not just in the structure. Structure is important, but culture is more important. We see that the Australian cricket team are having problems right now, not because of their structure. It's not the infrastructure where the problem is, it's the culture. And it's the culture that is undoing their structure. And now as a result, the Australian cricket team are struggling. As the culture, so the church, as the culture, so the cricket team. The culture of the early church was really healthy and it was really strong. The culture is the who and the structure is the do. The structure is what they did, but it was a reflection of who they were. We need a strong who in order to have a strong and right do. Does that make sense? And that's why it's so important that we understand who Christ is. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus asks this question of the disciples. He says, who do the people say that I am? And it's amazing when it came to what they say, everyone had an opinion. And the disciples were saying, some say that you're John the Baptist. Some say you're one of the prophets raised from the dead. Some say you're this, some say you're that. And so all the disciples were discussing what they say. And then Jesus 
tones it down and gets personal and says, okay, who do you say that I am? And it went deathly silent and it was only one man, Peter, who was able to speak into who he was. He says, you are the Messiah. You are the Son of the living God. You are the one that was prophesied about. You are the one that we have been waiting for. And on this revelation, Jesus says to Peter, you are correct. And because of the revelation you've had about who I am, I'm going to tell you who you are. You used to be known as Simon, but now you shall be known as Peter. In order for us to have a strong do, we need to have a stronger who. We need to know who Christ is. You cannot build a revelation on what they say. You can only build a revelation that will hold you in testing times and troubled times based upon what you say. It's not about what they say. Not about what they say. Remember that man, he had seven sons. The seven sons of Sceva tried to implement some deliverance of a particular demonised man and they said, Jesus, in whom Paul knows, we command you demons to come out of this man. And the demoniac actually was so strong, he beat up the seven sons because they went in on borrowed revelation. You've got to have a strong who if you're going to have the right do. And the early church here had a strong culture and the culture set the tone for the structure. You see, God is forever looking for a certain calibre of people to partner with. In 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, it says, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. We see right throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament that God is looking for people. And in Genesis chapter 6, it says, He found Noah. And he found David, he found Samuel, he found Peter, he found James, he found John, he found a name, a man by the name of Saul who later had a name change to Paul. He found them because his eye is looking for people to partner with and do great things in the earth today. And as I look around this room, it's filled with people that God has found in order to partner with and do great things for Him. Throughout church history, we see that God remains the same. We see that the purpose of the church remains the same. The only variable in the equation is people. The only thing that changes over time is people. And so with that in mind, my subtitle of today's message is this. Why bother going to church? Why bother going to church? And I say that Because one present trend among people today, especially our younger millennial generation, that we're seeing is that fewer people are attending church now than they used to. And we see that when it comes to marriage, they're anti-church, they're anti-marriage, they're anti-commitment by and large. And I think it's worth addressing what I would call the elephant in the room and see what's happening amongst our young people and also our older people. And I would say that one of the reasons that we're seeing this shift away from church is because that so much of what happens in church you can get online today. With technology on the increase and on the rise, we see that uh, you can have a live streaming service so you don't even have to leave your house in order to get church. 
Not only that, we have podcasts, we have Podbean, we have websites. You can almost access any church you want anywhere in the world at any time and it comes to you free of charge. Which brings us back to this question, why then should we attend church? Because increasingly as a pastor, I'm seeing that there's no real point to attending church. Yes, I said it. And I'm a pastor. Um, The reasons for attending church are getting smaller, but I want to look at why we need to attend church in 2018. Because the notion out there is why drive to church to sing some songs, to listen to a preach, to drive home again, when you can do that at home? See, I, I think we need to engage in real conversations with people and not just be that older generation that says, you know what, when I was younger, it was better back then. I don't ever want to be that guy that just talks about the good old days as if they're better than the now days. I believe there's no time like the present. I thank God for my past, but there are very real issues today and there are very real answers to those very real issues. And it's going to take a thinking people to sit down and bring up some answers for people's questions. What I love about what Jesus did 2,000 years ago, He left the splendour of heaven. He left the creature comforts of heaven. He came to planet Earth in a skin suit, an earth suit, and He got in people's shoes, not in their face. And He addressed the very real issues and needs of the people of His day. The truth is, we live in a world that is drowning with options. We live in a world that is drowning with options. You think about it, generations ago, the church was a social, cultural and missional hub of society. I I think back to when we started this church, long before many of this section of our church were even born, way back in 1994, when I had a mobile phone that wasn't that mobile, it was quite big, remember those phones? And uh, I didn't own a computer. Remember the days when Sunday trading did not exist in Adelaide? Remember that? No, what? No. Remember that? And remember on Saturday, it was only half day trading. So come 12 o'clock, shop shut. You got the afternoon off. It was a different world back then. There weren't so many options, but now we have options galore. Everything seems to be open. Back in 1994, we only had one South Australian team in the AFL which is all we ever really needed, I might add. But, but there was only one, now there's two teams. And, and, and so there's all these options and, and people are just overwhelmed with option after option after option. And, and, and like I said before, you don't have to get in a car and drive to have church. With, with Apple Music and Spotify, you can pick your three favourite songs. In actual fact, if you don't want to do three songs, you can do two songs. Or you can do four songs if you're a worshipper. You, you, can, you, can, have a, you can have a worship that goes for an hour. And it can all be the songs you like, with the artists that you like. And then you can pick your preacher. Anyone in the world. And so you can have your songs for the length of time that you want to go with your preacher. And you don't even have to drive anywhere. And, and to a thinking person, I think, man... That makes, sense. that makes a lot of sense. And for me personally, if there's no reason in attending church anymore, why should we do it? And I don't want to just be the one that puts my head in the sand and says, uh, uh, let it go away. Or just because I'm a pastor and make my living uh, out of being part of the church, 
to ignore this. I think it's a very good question that we need to look at because it's going to help us make some good decisions in the future. And if the answer was we shouldn't attend church because there's no longer any point, then let's stop wasting our time. But if there is a reason, or if there is a couple of reasons for that matter, then it'd be good to know what they are to be able to combat those thoughts that are out there so that we can get back on mission and make our lives count in Jesus' name. How does that sound? Amen. And so when it comes to why we should attend church, I can only really think of a couple of reasons. And I want to talk about a couple of those today by way of introduction. And then we're going to drill down on both of them over the next couple of weeks. So really today is just an introduction as to why I believe that we need to be a people that still gather together in 2017. And the first reason is simply this. You want to know what it is? I'm so glad you do because I'm going to tell you anyway. The first reason that I believe we should gather together is because... You are the church. Why should the church get together? Because we are the church. You know, when I go home tonight uh, to be with my family, I I don't go just to attend. I go because I am married and because I am a dad. It's because of who I am that it determines what I do. And I have a very strong understanding of who I am. And so I have a very clear understanding of what I need to do. I don't question whether I need to attend my house. You know, should I go back to my address? I mean, no, that, that, that's never been questioned because I know who I am. As the, as the husband to Kath and as the dad to three kids, uh, I can tell you where I will be tonight. And where I'll be tonight, in other words, what I will do comes out of who I am. Who I am. I, I am a dad to my children. I'm a husband to my wife. And as a result, I'm going to go home. Does that make sense? See, just attending church doesn't make you much of a church. Just like sitting at home on a couch doesn't make you much of a husband. I want you to get this. It's not just enough just to uh, come to church and sit on a pew. Because coming to church, sitting on a pew, doesn't make you much of a church. Any more than coming home sitting on a couch, fiddling with a remote control makes you much of a husband. And sadly, that would describe many, many husbands today. Of course, it didn't start out like that. You know, when I think about the divorce rate being what it is, I have to ask this question, why is it so high? Because those people that end up getting divorces, they were the ones who walked down the aisle with a glint in their eye and a smile on their face. They looked at the person they loved and they said, in sickness and in health till death do us part, I'll be with you forever. And yet sadly, so many just fall away, fall out of love with each other. And what's mind-blowing is how quickly it happens. And so now some have concluded marriage is not the best way to go. But I think we've got to look a little bit deeper. And, and, and look at what happens over a period of time. And what happens over a period of time is that we take one another for granted. We lose purpose of why we're together. We lose purpose of, of what we set out to achieve. And so we just play the married game. And if you can play the married game, you can play the church game. And, and that's no way to live. Well, one thing I love about being married is that I get to continually massage in the reason why we got married in the first place and to continue to grow in our relationship and understanding of the purpose that we have through being a married couple. 
See, our marriage is no longer just about us because people are watching. And so our marriage is about helping others with their marriages and not just with counsel, but just by way of example. And so there's so much about our marriage that has more to do now with other people and it's not just about us. Is this making sense? Can we follow all this this morning? And so we need to understand that when it comes to the church, you are the church. Just going to church doesn't make you much of a church. You see, being the church has something to do with living your life for Christ. Being the church has something to do with demonstrating God's love by serving others. And being the church has something to do with sharing your faith with other people. In other words, you don't just go to church to be served, but you go to serve. And I can't help but feel if I equate what happens in church with marriage, because the same thing happens, is that we just take one another for granted and now it's all about you serving me as opposed to us serving others. I've told the story many times, but when it comes to our three children, they all have roles to play. They all have jobs to do because I don't want my wife being worn out when they can do something for themselves now. And so from very early on in their lives, they've all had jobs to do, jobs that they were able to do and able to achieve through a little bit of coaching, a little bit of training. And what that little bit of coaching and training did was equip them to do a job that now we as parents don't have to do. And so they're contributors and not just consumers. They're people that are serving and not just being served. And this is the model that Jesus left us, that we should be a people that serve and not just get served. Because Jesus himself came to serve and not just be served. Is this making sense this morning? I believe there's something deeply spiritual about being a contributor and not just a consumer. If you want to know what a spirituality looks like, there's many aspects to what that is. But one is just serving one another, caring for one another, sharing with one another. There's a time to pray, don't get me wrong. There's a time to lock yourself away and and do your devotions, but there's a time to come out and actually just begin to serve. There's something deeply spiritual about this. I want to share with you a a little story that I came across, and I think it's so powerful. And every time I've shared it, it's uh, been a penny drop, light go on moment. And it's a story about a woman who approached a pastor to inform him that she'd be no longer attending his church. Perplexed by her decision, the pastor pressed her as to why. And this is what the woman said. She said, I saw a woman gossiping about another member in the church. Okay. And she went on to say, and I also saw a man that is a hypocrite. As I'm reading this story, I'm thinking, is this this woman talking about Victory Church? Because I'm getting a little bit concerned now. It says, and the worship team were not living right. People were looking on their phones during the service, not to mention everyone by name. And among that, there were so many other things wrong in your church. And I think that little word, your, is very telling. 
The pastor was sad to hear her reasoning, but he was not surprised. Why? Because he's heard it all before. If you hang around long enough, you're going to hear it all and for the most part, see it all. And that's why he decided to let her go. But not before she did one final thing for him. And I'm going to need some water to demonstrate this. If we can get a bottle of water up here, that'd be fantastic. It says, before you go, do me a favour. Take a full glass of water and walk around the church three times without spilling a drop on the ground. Afterward, leave the church, thank you, if you so desire. It was an odd request to say the least, but the woman knew that it would be a piece of cake. And she followed his instructions. She walked three times around the church with a glass full of water and returned to him, task completed. The pastor prompted her with just one more thing before she left. He says, before you leave, I have one more question. He said, when you were walking around the auditorium with the glass in your hand, did you see any hypocrites? She said, no. He said, when you were walking around the auditorium with your glass full of water, did you see any woman gossiping? No. When you were walking around the auditorium with your glass full of water, did you see those young people on their phones? She said no. And then the pastor offered this thought-provoking, earth-shattering analogy. He says, while you were focused on the glass, to make sure you didn't stumble and spill any water. It's the same with your own life. When we keep our eyes on Jesus, we don't have time to see the mistakes of others. We will reach out helping hand to those and concentrate on our own walk and that of the Lord. See, our conclusion not to attend church really says a lot about what we're not doing at church and to those who think you can do whatever you need to do as a Christian without the church then here's a couple of reasons why I would disagree number one because gathering together was Jesus ideas not ours I mean you got to understand I wasn't unemployed 25 years ago and thought what should I do with my life I know I'll get a group of people together and make some money that, that, that's not what started this this idea of the church, God's people gathering together, goes back 2,000 years. It was Jesus' idea. He said to Peter, I will build my church. And he was speaking of a global church, a universal church that would be split up in many local expressions. In actual fact, if you take out the local expression of church, you can get rid of most of the New Testament because most of the New Testament is addressing how to live together when we come together. And the second thing I would say to those who would say, I can be a Christian and not have churches, you understand that church is communal by nature. You see, we are better together. God in His wisdom knew that we are better together. You are the church. Let's remember that. And the church is at its best when we engage in the mission that God has given us. 
The first reason why I believe we should gather together as a church is because we are the church. And secondly, to reach the unchurched. I love being part of a church that is consistently designing experiences for those who are not yet in the room. I love that thought. Growing churches today have become great at hosting the unchurched. It's one of the things I love about this church. We've become good at hosting the unchurched. And I believe there's a lot of room for improvement. But personally, I love seeing people who would consider themselves unchurched coming to this place and having minds blown because it's not what they were expecting. I love that. I love that. I'll tell you why I love it. Because it tells me that they had an expectation. And that expectation is what kept them away. And so for their minds to be blown because it didn't meet the expectation they had, that's a good thing because the expectation most people have is not good when it comes to church. And as a church, we never, ever, ever want to forget that we are not here just for our members, but we are here for our non-members. We are not just for here, for here for those that are in the room. We are here for those that are not yet in the room. And so, yes, we have needs. And, and yes, those needs to be serviced and cared for. But it cannot be at the expense of those that are far from God. This is why I feel so strong about it. If you think about us getting saved, why have we been left here on planet Earth? If it was about meeting with God, we can do that in heaven. If it was about having great worship sets, we can do that in heaven. You know, with all due respect to our best worship night or best worship morning, I promise you this, in the presence of Jesus, where there are angels singing and harps playing and all that other music going on, I promise you, if it's just about a worship experience, we can do it better in heaven. So that can't be the reason we've been left here. The only thing I can think of that we've been left here is because we get to do something we can't do in heaven, and that's to reach the unchurched. The one thing we can do when we are here on planet Earth that we cannot do in heaven, and that is reach those people that are far from God. And so we want to tailor services with the unchurched in mind. Amen. Spiritual maturity, after all, isn't about how much you know. It's about how much you love. And love that doesn't flow out into the lives of other people isn't love at all. And there's something so exciting that we gather together that we get an opportunity to be part of people's uh, lives being transformed and changed because your story matters to God. I thank God I get the opportunity to share my story. I thank God I get to preach the Word of God. But there's something about your story that could be far more compelling to a certain person than my story. And I love seeing the church as a pool of people with stories to be able to help other people through. I think one of the most powerful things that took place over Easter, particularly on the Sunday, were the three testimonies that came from Kath, Ashley and Andre. To think that there are three people who are on staff in senior positions of leadership talking so openly and vulnerably about issues that we can all relate to, about having peace when her husband, me, was not well, not doing well, near death, and the peace that she found. When we think about Ash and his married situation many years ago, and we think about Andre and uh, the fact that he had all this money and all this stuff, uh, and yet there was still a hole in his life. I'm telling you, that was a powerful moment, and we don't ever, ever, ever want to overlook and neglect 
those that are coming with all kinds of stories, thoughts, and issues. I, I think for me, preaching is like hosting a dinner party. Have you ever hosted a dinner party and you have a few guests come over and you make sure there's enough food for everyone? Can you imagine how weird it would be having a few people over and you give all your food to one person? And one person ate all the food at the expense of someone else. That would just get weird for everyone. It would actually be weird for the person eating all the food and it would be weird for those that are missing out. It would just be weird. And so for me, when it comes to preaching, I see myself as hosting a dinner party because the Word of God is likened to a spiritual food. And I want to make sure that every person who comes gets something in our gathering together. Wouldn't it be rude of me to have your welcome or welcome home on our slide and yet from that moment you walk in, you get ignored for the rest of the service? I think it'd just be rude. Wouldn't it be rude when it comes to sharing the word? We only give to those who are believers. We only give to those who have been in church for years and understand all the, you know, all the scriptural references, etc., etc. Now what I want to do if we've got a chicken, I want to cut the chicken up and make sure everyone gets a piece. And, and, and I want to make sure that those who are visiting for the very first time, and if that's you this morning, you're so welcome. We're so glad you're here. And I look forward to hopefully connecting with you in our welcome lounge. Can we put our hands together for those that are here? It's just awesome. I love it. Let's get our band come up. That'd be fantastic. We're almost done. But, but I want to make sure that they're included in the meal. And then I want to think of those who, are, who have just come to Christ and they're new in, in church and new in faith. I want to make sure that they've got some food. And then we want to make sure that those who've been around for many weeks, months and years also get some food. And if for whatever reason, as a mature, long-term believer, you feel that after Sunday you want some more food, we're not going to stop you studying. We have a Bible college. You can get along to Bible college. You can get online and do some extra study. You can grab a concordance. You can grab other books and you can learn. We are not stopping you learning. In actual fact, you may have been to a dinner party where there was a little bit of food given out, but there wasn't enough for your liking. And so when you leave, you did a Macca's run after. Have you ever done that? <laughs> have you ever done that? It's okay. It's okay. But for the purpose of that party, it's okay. You didn't die. It's all right. You just, you just got something else. And that's cool. Because the purpose of that dinner party was not just about you eating, it was about you connecting yeah. with people. Yeah. And that's what we've got to understand about church. The Sunday expression of church, it's not just a worship experience. It's not just a Bible study. It's an opportunity for us to gather together, to connect, to share with, to care for, to serve and help. So much takes place of a Sunday. And over the next couple of weeks, we want to drill down on these two things and speak about them in more detail. And again, just keep them at the forefront of our thinking. So that's it. The two good reasons I believe that we should gather together is one, because we are the church, which means that you're engaged in mission in some meaningful way. I want to talk about that. How can we get engaged in mission in some meaningful way? Granted, there are only so many jobs that can be done on a Sunday, but there's so many expressions that we can get involved in serving and helping. And the other is to reach the unchurched, to hear and experience the news of Christ's love for them. If I put these things into two words, it would simply be this, reach 
and reproduce. We want to reach people that are far from God. And we want to reproduce ourselves in the lives of others. The future will be built on Christians that want to serve, share and engage in the mission of the local church. And for this to happen, we have to stop pandering to consumerism. We need to raise the level of engagement and we need to keep unchurched people front and centre in our thinking. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 